everybody, this is Gabe Lesdra, um, and this is your Let's Talk Football. I decided um, initially we were going to have uh, me and Evan do a short show and then lead into our interview with uh, Mickey Turner, who is a wonderful attorney out in <clears throat> Washington State, who is uh, gracious enough to come on the show to talk to us about the Save the Crew uh, uh, litigation. And um, so initially we're going to have our normal show, but I think what we decided to do this time was just kind of roll Mickey's uh, interview because it's important enough that we just kind of sit on its own and that you don't have to listen to me and Evan banter our BS the, you know, for 25, 30 minutes before you get to Mickey. What we're going to do is we're going to re- release our own show uh, on Wednesday evening after the Champions League semifinals. So stay tuned for that because I will definitely not be incredibly ill or celebrating um, during that time. We'll do the full... Um, a normal full hour. So stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, so check out, this is uh, my chat with Mickey Turner. Um, and uh, yeah, enjoy. All right, and we're back. Um, this is our pre-recorded interview segment, uh, and I'm joined by one of my favorite people in the solder, the greater legal soccer universe, Mickey Turner. Mickey, um, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on here. Uh, Gabe, it's a pleasure, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mickey, you work um, uh, as a you know as an attorney in Washington State, and you also blog and you write at SoccerEsquire.com, SoccerS.com, um, and you've been an absolutely uh, required reading for anyone who is following. I think the <laughs> I don't want to call it minutia, right? <laughs> because like it, <laughs> as lawyers, like this is not minutia to us, but like yeah, the very much. Well, yeah, it's like the very much day-to-day goings-on of this trial or this 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 lawsuit, right, in um, uh, in Columbus. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, very interesting uh, to kind of follow along. Uh, obviously, I was interested in the case uh, right from the beginning, essentially from when uh, uh, pre-court and MLS, uh, quote-unquote, announced that they were leaving <laughs> or exploring a leave, I should say, exploring a move. Uh, there's still some issues on whether they've actually announced that they're actually leaving. Uh, but yeah, ever right. since then, it's been... Uh, you know, it's been very fascinating to kind of learn about the law um, because, as I'm sure you, you've noted previously, it's it's a law that doesn't exist anywhere in the United States. Nope. Um, and so it's been pretty interesting to kind of get in from the ground floor and follow along. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as we were discussing before recording, this is actually um, interestingly – you know, not to get too personal right away, but this is a you know personal issue for both of us. Obviously, my fiance Eleanor, her whole family is from Ohio, and she and they experience this absolutely painful heartbreak of the Browns losing, which is why Ohio passed this act. And you know, similarly, you guys out in in Seattle lost a professional franchise recently, like recently in the same basic around you know, the same basic area of time as as they did in Ohio. So this must you know. This must be interesting for you from that aspect as well. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, so uh, anybody who didn't know, I'm, I live out here in Seattle. I've uh, been raised out here basically my entire life um, and was a big Seattle uh, Supersonics fan growing up. Uh, and then uh, they left in uh, mid uh, the mid-2000s, I think I want 2008, give or take, uh, right around then. But the, the saga of them leaving was probably three or four years in the making at mm. least – 
Um, and then they finally ultimately left when uh, uh, Clay Bennett reached a deal with the city of Seattle uh, to let him out of the lease. Uh, they were in a federal lawsuit at that point as well. Um, and then at that point, they settled the case and uh, Bennett was allowed to leave. Uh, and, uh, you know, the rest was history right. and is history. And and that's I mean, what's 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 particularly interesting to me about that? I mean, just <laughs> before we even get into the details of this case is if, if you know, and, and not to preview anything, but as as a you know potential kind of out right as as the end of the line like we talk a lot about you know what are the what are the scenarios that 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 lead to you know and, and what are the different ways this could kind of come out and 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 whatnot uh one of the clauses in the model act is actually that the city and their subdivision allows for or enters an agreement with the uh the team to uh allow them to leave essentially um so that's interesting and and i wanted to so just just to as background i know listeners of our show read of your site, readers of our site, they're probably pretty well versed in this lawsuit. It's one of the things yeah. we've all been covering. But just to just to kind of refresh everyone's recollection, um, Ohio passed what we call the Modell Act, um, ORC Ohio Revised Code Section nine point six seven. After Art Modell relocated the Browns to uh, Baltimore, as they became the Ravens. Uh, basically, this law. Uh, it's it's not super complicated. It's really weird, and that's why uh, we've so there's been so much ink spilled by so many spilled by so many lawyers talking about it. Basically, it says that no no one who owns a team that that gets any sort of tax subsidy, right? So basically, um, a professional sports team that uses a tax supported facility, and so basically every. Just and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but basically every stadium in this country is going to be tax supported in some sense. Yeah, uh, I would say, in, based on the reading of this law, if uh, if someone provides like sidewalks or lighting, that's probably not going to qualify. But uh, you know, there, there are stadiums out there that have been built 100 percent with private funding. Uh, I think uh, the San Jose Earthquake Stadium comes to mind. Uh, but you know, every stadium has some municipal support, right. in one way or another. So while it may stretch it in the San Jose case to say that something like that qualifies, uh, anything above that is certainly right. uh, potentially at risk. Well, not risk. Uh, at least uh, there is some exposure there uh, to right. be uh, placed under the restrictions that ORC 967 uh has in place. Right. And so uh, essentially in, in this case, we are taking for granted that um, uh, uh, that the crew would fall under this statute because MAPFREE has a number of different tax-related subsidies and, and different things. They have a preferential lease. They have some parking lots, land that the city has essentially given to them. Um, and so we're basically- oh, I would say that MLS probably wouldn't concede that argument. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So then, I guess let's just jump right into what this, what's going on with this case, then, right? So, uh, I, I wanted to get to the to, to section B of this, uh, but I, I think that the smart lawyer, right, contests every aspect of what the city or what the other side is 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 arguing, and we're trying as a supporter of Save the Crew, right? I'm trying to Ooh. slip in. That little like fact that that benefits us, but sure, let's let's go ahead and go back to the very beginning. Um, so, th- I think the crucial thing that that you know, even even calls us into question, right? That even calls nine six seven into question, uh, is the idea that the 
crew would be relocated to a different city. And in that case, when there is notice or when they find out about that, um, then these kind of provisions go under, come into effect. The Ohio law comes into effect uh, and they have to go through these different things. So the question um, that I have for, you know, for you, Mickey, is, is when, <laughs> and you did a, whole great, a really interesting <laughs> post on this, uh, when exactly do you think that the uh, that PSV and MLS fi- gave notice to the state. I am still not sure they have actually done so. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yeah. You know, as you as you. So what would they wrote, say? What would they say? <laughs> what would uh, what would MLS and uh, yeah. PSV say? They would say, I think they're at some point, assuming they do not prevail on this motion to dismiss, they're certainly um, going to argue that it was October seventeenth. Uh, which is when that press conference happened. Uh, it was a day after uh, Grant Wall and uh, broke the story in Sports Illustrated, and then there was a press conference from Precord and the statement released from MLS uh, indicating that they were exploring a move. Uh, if that one doesn't work, then you've got November November fifteenth, uh, which is when uh, the crew, uh, the Columbus Business Partnership, and the mayor of Columbus met with MLS to try to see if there was some. Uh, meeting of the minds or understanding that could have been reached. Uh, that meeting didn't go well, um, and they basically uh, walked away, basically saying, "Yeah, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing we can do here." So uh, that's pretty much it. So uh, November fifteenth is the second one, and then the third one is obviously when they uh, sent that letter, uh, which was I think March sixteenth, uh, uh, which 2018, is right, uh, yeah, twenty eighteen, uh, which is basically where they did say that to the extent that notice is required, there were, they are providing said notice, but didn't actually say what the law says they're required to say, if that makes sense. But that's going to be MLS's argument is my guess. Right. And, and the, the, so the law receives, right. Um, the, the law requires a rather, rather specific, uh, phrasing, right. Of the, of the notice. Yeah, it requires that uh, the uh, party that is planning to move or, or wants to move uh, provides a notice of intent to cease playing at the facility, which, you know, as you mentioned, the law doesn't say a whole lot, but it's very specific there. Um, and, you know, it reads to me like any standard lease agreement yep. where you're not going to renew the terms. Um, and so, you know, I don't know how the court's going to interpret this ultimately, but – MLS still hasn't done that at any point. We do still, still do not know when they are leaving um, and going to stop playing at Matt Free Stadium. It's possible that they start stop in as soon as the season's over. It's possible they play there for another year. It's possible they see out the lease and are just letting them know ahead of time that they're not going to renew. Um, yeah, it, we don't know. It, 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 it is fascinating. Um, I, I think that one of the so. I want to get into the kind of you know what's going on exactly and and what are they kind of the, the there are a number of cross motions obviously um, and I, I uh, I'd be very interested in hearing about your opinion on on the chances of the you know PSG MLS motion to dismiss but I think even before that I I'd be quite interested and um, to our listeners I I do want to say this from the top. I'm, I actually want to put aside uh, the constitutional questions that I've been exploring. Um, I'm interested, perhaps at the end of the show, to go and get into them a little bit. But that's the one thing I know that anyone listening to this show has heard me talk about. Um, and so let's put aside the questions of whether this 
law is even you know valid under the U.S. Constitution, which is I think one of the one of the one of the you know kind of first questions that sh- that anyone should be asking. But putting that aside, uh, one of the arguments that I'm hearing a lot from people who are defending this, and it's weird to even think that this move would have a lobby, Mickey, because I don't really yeah. know like who what are the groups that are really in you know on the side like very pro MLS to a, a toss in te- Texas, right? But yeah. the people that are saying that are basically saying that actually Anthony Precourt doesn't own the crew. He owns one twenty third oh. of MLS. Yeah, so that that was kind of a mind bender, but I guess it shouldn't have been particularly surprising because uh, MLS is obviously, or they purport to be a single entity uh, organization. Um, so the owners come in, you know, when they bring a new owner in, uh, they pay the expansion fee, uh, they get an equity stake in Soccer United Marketing, and they get the right to operate uh, one of the franchises, for lack of a better term. Um, but they're not the owners of the franchise per se um, in the way that you think of an NFL franchise uh, or NBA or what have you. So, right. uh, you know, I think that, you know, the premise of that obviously is to control costs with respect to free agency and stuff like that. Um, but that's at least where the, uh, the genesis of that, uh, of that argument comes from. Is right. That, and you know, they're not the owners of the, uh, the specific owners are not the owners of the franchise. Right. They and- own MLS maybe. Is uh, the conclusion <laughs> that one could reach? So, b- despite the fact that right, all of these owners describe themselves that way on all, all like on all of their you know publicly available documents. Um, ironically, and I, after this was this argument was first made, I'm sure you saw this. The um, oh yeah, uh, uh, Precourt changed his Twitter bio from Columbus Crew owner to Columbus Crew operator slash investor, which is one of the funnier things that we've seen in relation to this lawsuit. I think. Yes, uh, it was uh, pretty amusing that he thought he was going to get away with with changing <laughs> that at the time. But yes, uh, the Crew fans uh, were quick to point that out and and screen capture it. Uh, so. One of the interesting things in addition to that was so they uh, PSV and MLS sent Precourt Sports Ventures to be clear sent in sent this March 16th letter uh, to MLS where saying look we don't think this law applies to us but even if it does and you know, we think no it has happened at these other dates but even if that's not true right all this classic legal language yeah. that then said even if assuming all of that stuff were wrong about all that stuff March 16th is your notice date Ohio responded with a very what I thought a very interesting and I know I said it wasn't going to talk about the constitutional stuff but I, I do have to just get this in there. Uh, Ohio said, okay, you need to provide a reasonable opportunity for local investors to buy the club. And that rang some alarm bells in my head because, first of all, that's not what the law says. Law doesn't say you have to give a reasonable, right, a uh, uh, group of individuals. The, uh, it just says you have to give them the, the opportunity to purchase the team, not a reasonable opportunity to purchase the team, right? And so my question is, like, in a in a situation where the government is saying you need to sell or you need to give someone a reasonable opportunity to, to buy, how much is the government involved? Because if, you know, the, the, in my, my you know, basic feeling with any commerce clause stuff is that the more the government, government is involved here, the less likely the law is going to pass constitutional muster. Yeah, so uh, so there's kind of two things there. So with respect to the uh, the kind of imputing the reasonable opportunity, uh, I think where that's going to come in is based on the statutory construction rules that are in the Ohio statutes. Mm-hmm. Um, if you uh, basically like point four seven, which basically says that 
when Ohio drafts a law, it is presumed that it's constitutional, um, which you know obviously makes some sense. Right. Uh, <laughs> why would you pass a Why would you pass a law that's unconstitutional? That does happen on occasion uh, with uh, you know hot button issues like uh, gay marriage or divorce right. or, or, or or abortion and stuff like that, where they pass laws that are currently clearly unconstitutional at the time, but they want to make a point. So um, that aside, uh, the premise that uh, um, jurisdictions pass laws that are constitutional obviously makes some sense. There's also some other ones in there. Um, uh, if you look, if your uh, listeners want to go and look at ORC 1.409, um, basically talks about legislative intent, basically saying that if a statute is ambiguous, uh, the, the le- uh, legislature may continue or may consider a number of things. What's mm-hmm. the objective that's to be sought? The le- legislative history, that kind of stuff. So. I think that's probably where they're going to go as far as trying to explain the uh, imputing the reasonable opportunity as opposed to just opportunity. Um, Because obviously, uh, as common sense says it, uh, why would you only uh, legislate the opportunity if pre-court can reject any offer as long as he took a look at it on a piece of paper um, and, you know, just then threw it in the trash. So. That's probably where that's going. And then the second part of your question, I forgot uh, something on the oh, – Right, uh, and it's that – but that's that exact second part, right, which is where I – I mean – and I, I, I know I said up front we were trying not to get into this, but <laughs> that, to me that is the part that uh, worries me when it comes to the constitutional arguments with respect to the Commerce Clause, right, which is like yeah. if the government is forcing him to accept a local offer, uh, I – you know, that that to me is, is much more like, one, like the kind of – you know, law that would get struck down by the by the Supreme Court rather than, you know, a law that says you need to at least look, right? Look and see yeah. if anyone is willing to buy it. You know, in, in that case, it's very, it seems very much less like there's a state burden on interstate commerce rather than the state saying you have to sell this thing to someone in state. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's a great point. And I think, uh, you know, it's kind of the difference between a market participator and a market regulator to some right. degree. Um, and it's, you know, it's more, as, as you said, more that you get towards the market regulator, the less likely the law is going to withstand constitutional scrutiny. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I don't think there's a, you know, my initial thought is that the, as I read more, the burden on uh, out of state uh, purchasers or potential purchasers isn't overly burdensome by the six month uh, timeline, uh, but it is a burden. And it's just, you know, at this point, we don't know what the court's going to say about something like that, because, again, it's never been (laughs) this law has never been tested. So we don't know. We don't have any context to see what a court would do in similar situations. And there's very little like way to even analogize. I mean, like that's literally what lawyers do is analogize to other things. But even in this case, Mm -hmm. there's very little to analogize to when it comes to this situation. This is an extremely unique, you know, type of. You know, legal facts <laughs> structure, and I wouldn't be shocked if we saw it in some, um, you know, some intro to constitutional law, like one L classes, <laughs> just to see, you know, uh, how people how people deal with it. Um, now, 
let's get back to like let's all right, let's get off of the constitutional stuff because I, I, I you know I think it's interesting, but I, I also think that right now I think it's a little bit beside the point because we have a lot of really important and pressing uh you know breaking Alma's news uh in the actual case. For example, um essentially they've put aside the parties have put aside this particular argument, right? So in the motion to dismiss, they don't uh, lead with the constitutional argument. They they put it second. Instead they lead with the series of arguments about the actual act itself. Um and then we also have um you know the the state asking them saying, look, we need to uh, we need to get a look at your books and we need to be able to see if you've actually met with anyone locally and, and how much money you actually make or don't make based on what you're saying. Because in a lot of this, you know, the, a lot of this case is based on the kind of premise, right, that pre-court saying, well, I can't make money with this club. And I think, you know, if they could get a hold of the books, it'd be a fascinating development. And as you recently wrote, PSG and MLS are opposing that particular motion. So can you just talk a little bit about how that has got that, you know, how, how, how this kind of recently has gone down? Yeah. So uh, you're talking mostly about the discovery and the motion to stay. Yep. Um, and yeah, so uh, basically what base, what I think uh, prompted MLS and PSV to write that letter on March 16th, uh, you know, giving notice um, quote unquote right. uh, was that, uh, shortly before that, uh, the state of Ohio sent out a discovery request. Uh, at the time, it was just uh, a one-page filing in the in the uh, court file, so we didn't really know what it was about. But we came to find out it was you know interrogatories and requests uh, per, for production, um, eighty pages of which. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I went through it. I, you know, a lot of it is just boilerplate stuff. You know, definitions and stuff and that kind of thing. So it's not actually eighty pages. Um, the interesting parts is probably is probably around twenty five pages. But it does request a number of things of uh, PSV and MLS. Uh, they want to get a look at the books, as you said, the financials, the profit loss, uh, attendance numbers. Uh, uh, they want to get a look at the, this uh, mark, some marketing agreement, which I thought was pretty amusing. Yep. <laughs> um, and so all of this stuff they say they need, obviously, to do an eva- uh, do evaluation uh, so that they can confirm that uh, – PSV um, and MLS are in compliance with the uh, local uh, with the with the law, um, right? Which is kind of an interesting thing, um, but obviously MLS and PSV are opposing that because the general premise is if the case is going to get dismissed on a dispositive motion, uh, then there's no reason to uh, you know provide discovery, um, which is going to be uh, they say burdensome and expensive. Uh, Right. Uh, I want to say uh, uh, the plaintiffs have uh, responded to that, basically saying we offer to you know limit the scope of discovery to the you know what is necessary to do the evaluation. Um, MLS just filed their their reply, basically saying uh, somewhat disingenuously that uh, the offer from the state uh, to limit discovery wasn't put in a formal offer, but then they say that <laughs> they weren't going to uh, comply with it anyway, because they shouldn't have to fly, uh, provide any discovery. So uh, I just thought, you know, I, I pointed that out, obviously, in the story is what's the point of complaining about uh, not having a formal offer if you weren't going to comply with it under any circumstances. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so that's kind of where we are at, at this point, as far as the discovery is concerned. Now, could that be limited through, like, if, if the state, you know, let's say the state really wants wants this information, but also, you know, feels that, you know, they need to get it in, in a way that it wouldn't get leaked and all these things. Is there any way to like to limit, 
you know, the, uh, uh, you know, this, this information to the exact parties who need to see it through some sort of confidentiality agreements or, I mean, because when you, when you start getting discovery and you start getting, you know, vast amounts of discovery in a federal or in a, in a state and local government, it's going to eventually find its way out, especially if it's bad for whoever the state and state local government is litigating against. Do you think there's like a way, a way for them to try to, try to, try to limit that by, by, you know, using confidentiality agreements? Yeah, my thought is on that, that, uh, you know, obviously uh, the state said that they did actually provide a sample protective order uh, to okay. basically seal all the documents. So that can certainly be done. Um, you know, whether it leaks after that is, you know, I don't, there's not much you can do about that. Either, right, no. Either you're going to comply with, uh, you know, protective order or you're not. Uh, so assuming that they're going to, you know, comply with the protective order, that would, you know, eliminate the issue of, of it getting out in public. Uh, the other issue um, on that score is, uh, th- what they want to limit it to, um, that, you know, that should alleviate some of MLS's concerns. Um, but it still starts the discovery clock you know, right. at that point. So, um, once they start getting that information, then, uh, you know, away we go essentially, Yeah, uh, even if it is limited, but you know, it certainly can be done. So, and a lot of this then is based on the outcome of the motion to dismiss and, and, and the response to it. Do you have any, any, do you want to wager any predictions on that? Um, I want to see, uh, the state the plaintiff's rep, uh, reply or response, I should say, um, it's due this week. So I'm going to really want to wait until that, yeah. uh, before I give, you know, a, a real opinion. Um, I, you know, I found some of, uh, you know, MLS's arguments to be you know, solid. I'd have to go back and uh, refresh my memory. Uh, some of them less so. Uh, but again, I want to see uh, right. what, you know, what the state uh, and the city have to say um, before I, you know, give a, a full yeah. opinion. It's going to fail. I am hopeful. And so <laughs> I'm hopeful that this will get past motion to dismiss. And one of the things that I think we didn't, uh, in, in previous shows haven't quite explained to everyone is that the motion to dismiss is one of the first real bars that, that any litigant has, uh, either side will, 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 um, you know, will file them. And they're, they're one of the first, you know, I, I think that my, my professors, we used to talk about them as gates and the ever, ever, uh, 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 uh <laughs> decreasing size of gates, right? But this is one of the first gates that you have to get through. Yeah. And, and the, you know, so the legal standard, right, is you, you take all of the, you, um, all, all of the facts and all of the, all the facts in the light most positive to the non-moving party. Um, and so do you see any like factual disagreements that might really benefit uh, the city and state here that MLS maybe didn't address or maybe, uh, uh, might allow them passed <laughs> in motion to dismiss stage? Uh, it's so tough to say at this point. Um, the, as far as factual disagreements, I mean, the main one is obviously the uh, the notice issue. Right. Um, and the problem there is that we, you know, MLS, well, I guess MLS says that they uh, have, you know, they have provided notice on any number of uh, other occasions. Um, and the city and state obviously disagree and aren't conceding that they have provided notice at all yet. Um, so that seems to be the, the most important one, um, to me that needs to be, right. uh, needs to be litigated. And there appears to be a material issue of fact there. Although I suppose that goes more to summary judgment. Um, if, if this, if the MLS and PSV fail to win the, uh, 
when the motion to dismiss, you can see a summary judgment oh, of course. shortly shortly thereafter. Right. Uh, and, depending and, on when the uh, date notice period they say expires. Right. That's a great point. And I mean that's another just these series of different steps that then before you you actually get to any sort of um, actual litigation you have I mean this is all what we would in the in the broader spectrum of litigation, mm. right? But before what people would see as like, you know, lawyers standing up and, and arguing with the judge and all that, mm. you get all these these you know, motions beforehand. And uh, I, I I mean one of the things that really strikes me here is I, I do see where they are coming from on the back to the constitutional questions, but back on that, I, I'm I, I'm a little worried that they could lose on motion to dismiss just on the constitutionality of the statute. But I'm hopeful that uh, a judge there <laughs> would would decide that maybe it's not something that we can we should litigate at this stage, and maybe we should. See what what everyone's arguing later after we get some more facts. That's the that, and that's what I'm, I'm most hopeful on because personally, Mickey, I don't know if you've thought about this yourself. Personally, I'm not sure this law is constitutional. I'm not sure, um, but uh, I have I have um, uh, a different question, and it relates to um, you know something that that I've been thinking recently because I had a I had an exchange with um, with another attorney friend about how. Um, it seems like pre-court and PSV and MLS are on on the same side of this litigation, but in you know in theory, right? But in practice, yeah. I, I could actually see them having rather disparate inter- interests going into you know a settlement discussion or a uh, kind of a way out, right? So it does seem to me that pre-court himself and PSV, you know, they've they've invested in Austin. They've invested. I mean, one of the stories we covered, right, was that they invested in the media rights to kind of the greater Austin area, and you know he seems very desperate to move this club oh, there, yeah. right? But MLS, I think, would probably be okay with a resolution that leaves the crew in Columbus. That is kind of my thinking too. I think pre-court, uh, I, he may have worn out his welcome, um, at this point based on, especially if MLS thinks or the other owners think that, uh, they're on the verge of having their books opened up. Uh, <laughs> Can't have that. Yeah. They are not, you know, they've obviously been, you know, I, I think I wrote that they are probably the most secretive, uh, professional organization, sports organization yeah. that has any following in the United States, um, you know, much more so than, you know, NFL or NBA. And, you know, those leagues have their secrets, I'm sure. But, you know, their, their organizing philosophy and their financial uh, backgrounds and all of that kind of stuff is, is relatively public record. Um, whereas MLS still feels they're in the position where they need to kind of, uh, massage things from time to time. Uh, you know, you can talk about targeted allocation money, right. uh, general allocation money, uh, designated players. You know, they've all, you know, they've changed those things over the years in the interest of what they think is, is facilitating the growth of soccer, um, and, uh, in, in the United States. Well, and they um, took their cues from like the, the, the most corrupt, uh, major you know, sporting organization in the world, right? Yes. FIFA. <laughs> yeah, FIFA, of course. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, I don't think they, they want that stuff to come out in the open. Um, and so if it looks like they're that's going to happen, it's easy for me to see that they may, uh, you know, cut pre court a check and basically mm-hmm. say, get, yeah, get out of here. Um, you know, they did, they've done it before with, uh, you know, Chivas, uh, USA, Interesting. Um, granted that was under a different circumstances that, you know, organization was, was flatlining essentially. Right. Um, they needed to, you know, they ended, they ended up shutting it down. They you know, essentially contracted the team. Um, 
and so if 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 they don't think it's in their interest to have pre-court um, as an owner anymore because uh, either the suit is getting too close to finding you know um, disclosing their secrets, or they just think that he is not someone who can operate a team, I could see them absolutely mm-hmm. uh, getting rid of him at some point. And, and, um, and they have the mechanism to do that um, under their bylaws. Yes, uh, I think it's a two-thirds vote, uh, if I recall correctly. Um, don't 100% quote me on that, but I believe that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, but the interesting thing on that score is the infamous Austin clause, which basically gives pre-court the right to move to Austin. Um, and if he gets the proper agreements in place, my understanding is MLS cannot stop the move. Um, so if he's able to do that, uh, notwithstanding uh, this lawsuit, I don't. I'm not sure they can get rid of him based on those grounds. Um, if he has a provision. That basically oh, wow. says that he is uh, essentially immune on this issue. <laughs> and so, how could how could you uh, vote somebody out for exercising a provision that you agreed to when you bought the team? Um, right. Again, no one's ever seen the Austin clause. I'm still not sure, 100 percent sure it exists, but we'll assume it does for right. Our Just <laughs> assuming yeah. again, a lot of this is assuming arguendo. This stuff exists and, and isn't just you know. In, it's all right locked in that black box of of MLS. And the more you yeah. talk about this, the more I actually do begin. So I I am, and maybe more than other people who've been following this, I've been quite. Um, uh, not skeptical, but I would say I, I've been a little fatalist when it comes to this stuff. It feels, I, I it feels like a, a stretch and a reach, and I'm worried that this is going to happen. And I love the one of the greatest things about this is all the people I've got to meet, including yourself, and who have this incredible and you know interest in, in and there's been this amazing grassroots energy. But the truth is, I I've been very worried about where this is going to end up. Um, and yeah. but the truth is that also I'm I'm now with this lawsuit seeing. I wonder if there is a way because it, it does seem like so. I, I'm sure you heard, um, and I, I, you know, I may have even heard from your site, so I may be quoting you back to you. But I, I, I was under the impression that there was, in fact, a group of Columbus-based or or Ohio-based buyers who was a coalition of buyers who were interested in purchasing the crew, but then refused uh, uh, refused to negotiate when Precourt essentially forced a very very restrictive NDA on them. Yeah, so um, I, you know, I would love to get a look at that NDA, um, but yeah, so there, uh, the Columbus Business Partnership, uh, you know, there was a story in the Columbus Dispatch, uh, I want to say maybe three weeks ago, that disclosed that uh, MLS had had a meeting out there and had toured sites, and that there were some local uh, buyers. Um, however, in the motion, uh, I think it was on the motion regarding discovery. They're all uh, kind of uh, running together. <laughs> they, all, they all run together a little bit. Yeah. But there was uh, there was a claim uh, that uh, MLS had provided prospective buyers, in fact, as far back as December, hmm. uh, with that information and offered to uh, disclose uh, the re- the needed financial documents um, through an NDA, and then they never got a response. Um, and then uh, shortly after, uh, not shortly, but maybe a few months later, uh, revised the NDA and settled in a new one. Um, I can tell you that the uh, the city, at least, uh, didn't have any knowledge of any of that at the time. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know if I, I just I don't know if I've ever disclosed that. Um, but yeah, the city had no uh, no knowledge of at least a December uh, meeting that in, um, MLS had or with the NDA. At least it wasn't provided. Let me say this: it wasn't provided right. to the city 
by MLS at that point. So mm-hmm. that's probably a, a more uh, accurate way to put yeah. it. So, um, yeah, so there are apparently buyers out there. They have not uh, obviously come forward um, as you know they wouldn't in you know delicate, nego- delicate negotiations right. like that. Um, so it's uh, you know it's I assume they're out there. The Columbus Business uh, ship, uh, Partnership says they're out there. I assume um, at some point, what I think we're waiting for now is that revised NDA to see if it gets signed in return, right. so that those financials can be, uh, you know, disclosed and reviewed um, for purposes of making an offer. But, right, so that they can um, at least write up a. Uh uh, uh, they can do a real actual corporate valuation. How much is this place, this team worth, and, and what it would, yeah. would be a good market value? Well, for even, it. Before, even before that, to see if there's a local buyer who's interested oh, in just purchasing point. the team outright, um, and you know, will provide such a good offer that uh, you know, Precor goes away and the team stays, and so the right. court doesn't necessarily get, need to get involved. Um, right. So, and, you know, some of this, you know, is also on the second uh, phase, which definitely needs to be noted is none of this is going to happen without some type of stadium uh, solution. Um, I think that's a, a point on which MLS is likely to say, look, the team's not going to be viable in Columbus uh, without a stadium solution. And I think, frankly, even the plaintiffs t- to some degree have conceded that um, issue um, with respect to needing a new stadium. So it's not just the not a matter of purchasing the team. Right. Uh, it's also to make sure that they can, uh, have some tor- sort of stadium uh, that they can use to, you know, improve the uh, right. financial outlook. And in, in, in a very like cynical reading of of the, the 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 dispatch report about that MLS meetings, you could theoretically think that maybe that's going towards that second prong, right, of the of the law that requires you know a a uh, an opportunity to purchase yeah. so they they can say look we did have these discussions and we we mm-hmm. you know we offered and they they were looking at it and they decided not to and that's opportunity so that's that's also part of it but um so last and last if you don't mind last last couple of questions sure. and then I'll then I'll let you go um so do you know do you have any insights about the lawyers on each side litigating this um not uh, not specifically um, I have, uh, you know, I have some, uh, I'm, I wouldn't say people on the inside, but people with knowledge, <laughs> people with knowledge of, of uh, the inner workings. Um, you know, the, uh, the MLS lawyers, obviously Procower and Rose, I think it is yep. high powered, uh, antitrust, uh, you know, federal, argued federal cases, uh, which has led some people to think they're going to try to move the case to federal court at some point. Um, there's been no indication of that at this point, but, uh, Interesting. You know, when, wouldn't be surprised. No, um, but they're obviously you know high-powered lawyers, uh, and so they know what they're doing. Um, the Columbus uh, folks are obviously working hard as well. Uh, the relationship uh, between the parties, I can tell you, has not been very good, uh, <laughs> based on uh, what I've been hearing. Right. Uh, they they weren't e- well. I could say MLS and PSV weren't even you know sending over courtesy copies of the filings um, until recently, uh, which you know it's. Was you know, kind of mind blowingly unprofessional that's, in my that's opinion. Shocking. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of a case where that has ever happened since the dawn of electronic <laughs> uh, filing and uh, since the dawn of email. Um, you know, even wow. a fax or something uh, would have been something uh, would have been fine. But I know you know they didn't. Uh, the city didn't, and the state didn't get the motion to dismiss. They had to pull it from the file Jeez. or pull it from the court. Uh, that's shocking. Yeah, it was. It really was. And then I can tell you, after that, they they have started emailing documents over. I think the publication or the uh, exposure of that fact 
probably got them to say, hey, this isn't uh, something that's going to go over well uh, uh, locally. So I think, you know, now they are uh, exchanging documents um, via email, what have you. So, uh, you know, that obviously didn't uh, help the relationship. uh, But beyond that, I don't really have anything Mm -hmm. else. That was a pretty shocking thing. It is shocking. It's ridiculous. I mean, I am. Not to get you know, too, but I I used to work in big um, big law in New York, and uh, that was I would never I would never imagine anything like that. These these things, even when you're on opposing sides, I've I never saw them get so bad that you wouldn't send courtesy copies like that. That's that's shocking. Um, so, do you know anything about the judge? Oh no, nothing about the judge. Okay, uh, you know that's actually. I mean, you know, I'm sure. Uh, I'm not even sure if it's a male or female judge. Actually, I haven't even. Right, everyone's that asking, right? But we don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't know. Um, I assume the judge will do a, you know a fine job. Yeah, um, they, you know, that's what they get paid for, um, and they don't want to get reversed on appeal. Um, well, right, which, and <laughs> which is probably the main the main thing that everyone should. Who drives all judges? Yeah. Basically, that's true. Unless you're in the Supreme Court, um, uh, and yeah, that 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 actually might be. One of the reasons that they might, you know, that that Proskauer and and MLS may want to you know, remove this to federal court just because they may not like the state judge as much. But, uh, well, look, Mickey, thank you so 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 much for coming on to talk to me about this. I um, you know, I have a bunch more, but you know what? It's uh, it's a long, it's a long topic. It's a lot, and yeah. there's a lot to say about this. So I'm not um, you know, I think I may need to to save it for uh, for a round two. But it, it was just so yeah. much fun talking to you, man. I really appreciate you coming. On. Everyone should follow your work. Uh, first of all, follow you on Twitter, but also your 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 writing on on soccer ask because actually it's it's really really the way that I follow. I've been following this case on on a on a day by day level, and I really appreciate everything you're doing. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. And yeah, this is going to be a busy week. Uh, there's a status conference scheduled for tomorrow on the Save the Crew, and then MLS uh, the city's uh, response to the motion to dismiss is due this week. And then MLS is also and PSV are filing opposition uh, to the motion to compel uh, at the end of this week. So there are plenty of filings to look forward to uh, this week. So if you're a, if you're a legal nerd like us, that'll be <laughs> definitely a lot of reading to be done this week. Thank you so much again, Vicky Turner. Thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yep. Take me anywhere, you can't take me anywhere